0: You're listening to Modern Marketing, a podcast brought to you by Influicity. At Influicity, we build brand communities that drive revenue. Learn more at Influicity.com. On today's episode, Influicity CEO John Davids talks with Jawad Bispis, Global Vice President of Marketing and Partnerships at Ball Corporation. So, you've worked at so
1: many large companies that we'd all know from uh, Ball Corporation, 7 Eleven, Coca Cola, of course. When you come into a brand, and of course, every company that you've worked on has been around before you. So they already have existing marketing channels, existing audiences. How do you kind of evaluate where you are today versus what are the one or two things that we need to do to really drive our business forward?
2: Well, it always starts with the strategy. I mean, if there is no strategy, you better build it first before you start kind of executing. And I did it when on my last role on Coke uh, when I led Sports Drink. We didn't have a global growth strategy on Sports Drink and specifically on Powerade. And also on my role with Ball. I mean, we are in year two. And uh, when I joined, we didn't have a commercial strategy. So, So my first focus was like, how are we going to deliver those results that the board tasked us with? and what's going to be that roadmap. So, and then you align it with all stakeholders because it, it becomes kind of your uh, your roadmap basically to growth. So so that's, that's where you start with. And then you define what's the pain point that you're trying to solve. Is it, do you have an issue with recruiting people? Do you have an issue with losing customer base? Which was the case with 7-Eleven where we lost kind of a couple of generation, Gen Z and millennials, and our customer base started to be a little bit more older. Do you have an issue just with building the brand which was which is the case with uh, this new business i'm in with ball where we just started a couple of years ago and uh, the challenge was more how do we build a brand in an organization that is more b2b better with the business that is b2c with the minimum investment level in marketing and how do you make sure that what you're doing is gonna get you more for your bucks. So how you punch above your weight with the limited resources you have to bring in consumers to the brand to engage consumers with the brand and doing it not only in an efficient way but ideally also in a creative way so that you stand out from the sea of sameness.
1: So I'd actually love to dig into that. So Ball Corporation is a primarily business serving other businesses. So you mentioned there that you want to be able to build a brand, punch above your weight. What are one or two tactics that you would look at to actually build the B2B audience today?
2: Yeah, so so the business I'm in is both B two B and B two C. So so Ball, as you said, is a, a largely a B two B business. What they do is, uh, I mean, their purpose is all about sustainability. So that's kind of the the link between all their four business unit, from aluminum cans to aluminum bottles to aerosol to even aerospace. And this business is basically taking that knowledge and applying it to cups. So there is billions of plastic caps that gets used to the U- in the US and 95% of them end up in landfills they don't they don't get recycled either because the infrastructure is not there or because they're not really recyclable if you think solo type of caps so balls a day, can we solve this so they they invented these aluminum caps that are refillable that are infinitely recyclable that are better for the environment and that's where you, that's where you start you get a, a start with sustainability Obviously, there is kind of um, other benefit like being premium, keeping that drink cold, being maybe a little bit more lifestyle, but you really start with the foundation. Like, why are we doing this? We're doing this because we care about the environment. And if you do, this is a simple behavior change that you can make every day to do something for the environment that's not going to take you a lot of uh, heavy lifting. So so that's where we started is like, how are we going to get to that target? And we did it really through digital and social. Bring it in influencers, micro influencers, macro influencers. We have Jason Momoa, which is one of our big ambass- brand ambassadors, because he really believes in the environment and we have a good partnership with him. But we have a ton of micro influencers on TikTok, on Instagram that care about sustainability, that kind of help us kind of scale that, that brand, build that awareness, build that engagement, build the fan base, and get more people to switch and make that behavior change. So, so that's where you start understanding what's the value proposition and then understand what's the key, ch- what's the message and what's the key channel that you're going to focus on to drive that message, to get that level of awareness. eventually get people to try you and convert into uh, loyalty and usage through either retail. We are in brick and mortal like a Walmart or Target or Kroger, but we're also on e-com on Amazon.
1: And are you using... A lot of the same strategies to reach the business buyer and the end buyer, or are they two totally different marketing objectives and strategies?
2: Totally different. Like we have three channels. One is retail, which I talked about, brick and mortar. One is Amazon, which is probably not the easiest, but kind of from a marketing standpoint, that customer or shopper journey is the shortest. And also the way to track performance is super clear. And you invest a lot in SEO, SEM. you do a lot of uh, display and programmatic, you see your conversion rate, you look at your ROAS, and you know whether you're performing or not. And we get double-digit conversion rate, we have ROAS of five, so we're doing good. And then the third channel is B2B, and that's the tough one because that's a lot of food service and on-prem think like... Sport venues, concert arenas, fast casual restaurants, leisure entertainment, hotels and resorts, Disney type of entertainment park, like big customers, big venues. And those, the approach is vastly different. Like there is no, I mean, the B2B marketing is obviously some trade shows, some trade publication, but it's really like segmenting, knowing which are the customers you're gonna go against first and then getting access and then going with a, with the story, and the story is, hey, if you guys want to be more sustainable, we can help you get rid of all the plastic you use, whether that's plastic bottles or our plastic caps, and we can help you recycle because aluminum is has ten times more recycling rate than plastic, and it's infinitely recyclable. It does not degrade, so we can help you tell a better story to your customers, your stakeholders and differentiate, again, versus your competitors. So the value proposition is vastly different when you go talk to those B2B customers than when you're going to talk to B2C customers.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Influicity. Since 2015, we've been building brand communities that drive revenue. First, we did it through influencers. Then we added podcasts. Today, we work with world-class brands to build, optimize, and run breakthrough programs that create and capture demand. It's time to stop renting your influence and start owning it. Learn more at Influicity.com. How are you thinking
1: about TikTok? You mentioned earlier that that's one of the channels you're using. What I hear from a lot of CMOs and, and just marketing folks is... TikTok, it's great because of all the reach it has, but it's very hard to measure, and then conversion might be an issue. Although there's a lot of trends that are popping up on TikTok, so clearly it is working in some respects. How do you think about all that?
2: Well, the reason we went to TikTok versus, let's say, Facebook or even Instagram is that there were already a lot of people talking about the brand organically. Like a lot of people were discovering at their local shops. Hey, uh, look at this! This is amazing. This. This is recyclable. This is better than, you know, those solo cups and keeps your drink cold and all that stuff. So, so we just, you know, kind of uh, built on a, an existing trend where already people and that's the good thing about this product. Like when people try it, they rave about it. whether they discover it at the, you know, concert venue or sports arena. A lot of people take them back home when they go to like they don't throw them in the recycling bin when they are a concert venue or so. It's like People want to keep them and they want to reuse them and they want to talk about them. So it makes our job easy. We just need to take to put it into more people's hand. And that's what we did. We sent it to a ton of influencers that care about sustainability. And uh, a lot of people end up talking about it and posting about it, sometimes for free. And uh, then Instagram was a way to kind of expand our reach because the reach on Instagram is bigger. I would say the engagement on TikTok is bigger, but the reach on Instagram is, is larger. Right.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The 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 reach on Instagram is larger, but on TikTok you will sometimes get more engagement and then the question is is the engagement as valuable as it is on other platforms because may, maybe people are just responding to many many more things than they otherwise would but not not as deeply. So it sounds like like you guys actually have have, have a winning strategy there.
2: Well, I mean we always experiment. So we started with sustainable as kind of the core but Last summer, because a lot of people, I mean, our biggest states, when we started this, we thought like the biggest states where we're going to sell these caps are going to be California and New York, because those are the ones where supposedly people care more about the environment and there is more regulation for the environment. Our biggest selling states are Florida and Texas. And you mm-hmm. don't think about Texas and Florida as being the first yeah. one where people really care about the environment. And the reason behind that is that one, the weather is is, is great. So a lot of people grill and have outdoor you know, family and friends on the weekend. And these cups are great for that. I mean, they're, they're great for outdoor grilling, they're great for outdoor barbecue, they are great great for like just getting people together. If they're convenient, you don't have to wash them if you don't want to. So it's better than glass, doesn't break, but it's also more premium if you're having an event and it keeps that drink cold. So then we went last summer and said, okay, There is a different cohort of consumers that are not buying us for the reason we think. So let's go and talk and get some lifestyle influencers and put the brand in front of them. And uh, so that was a completely different approach, completely different campaign, more lifestyle, more lighthearted, more fun, less serious with different type of influencers because we just discovered that there's a different cohort segment of customers that are buying us for those reasons that we did not initially thought would be the key driver. So you got to always experiment and adapt and be open and listen to what's happening on social and and what people are telling about the brand and, and react quickly, which is what we try to do in a startup environment. Although again, we are part of a large organization.
1: Hmm. You. I want to go back to something you said a few minutes ago about 7-Eleven, and you mentioned that you sort of lost one or two generations of consumers, and that you had to make up for that. That's really interesting to me because I think 7-Eleven is ubiquitous. We all we all know the brand. We all see the stores everywhere. How did you? What What do you mean that you lost a generation, and then how did you find them again?
2: So if you think about 7-Eleven, you think, you know, that's why they used it on, on Stranger Things, because it's kind of those 80s brand that were iconic, but probably are not as much. I think they're back. Like, If you look at their social posts on Instagram or on, even on TikTok, I mean, it's much more on trend now because the marketing team did a really good job in the last few years to put the brand in the culture. And I think it was not the case a few years ago. And uh, if you think about 7-Eleven, you think Slurpee, you think Big gold. those are not like the trendiest beverages out there. Yes, they have a legacy. Michigan and Toronto are, are some of our highest per cap when it comes to Slurpee, which wow. is interesting because it's also very cold. But I think it's just, you know, historically that's been the case. But they're not like the, the coolest brand, right? And that's the problem. Like a lot of the people that went to 7 Eleven until a few years ago were older, more blue collar. And we lost the Gen Z and the younger millennial to Starbucks, even to McDonald's, to Dunkin'. Because our business is not only a lot of snacks and food. The main traffic driver, if you think about it, and the main, at least until the pandemic, the main dairy part for convenience and for 7 Eleven is morning. People driving on their way to the office or to work, picking up coffee and and breakfast and and stopping at 7-Eleven. And our coffee wasn't great because it was drip coffee. And like we're already at the third generation of coffee and we're we're still serving drip coffee. So the first thing we did was to upgrade our coffee assortment. So we launched espresso-style coffee, both hot and cold, so you can get your cappuccino, your latte, your double-shot espresso, your cold brew if you want at 7-Eleven. And now it's in more than three thousand stores in the U.S. and a few in Canada as well. I mean, the total store is ten thousand, so there's still a lot of store where where kind of con- the company is still converting to those beverages, more trendy beverages, and that's how we we started bringing back some of those lost customers. And plus, we have an unmatched value proposition when you can get a, a cappuccino for two dollar that beats uh, Starbucks, that beats Dunkin', that even beats McDonald's. So. So, we're getting kind of that grooves back. We changed the assortment on the fountain on Big Gulp, introduced a lot of better for you beverages from AHA sparkling water to vitamin water zero to our own private labels on energy and sports drink. We introduced zero sugar on Slurpee as well. Too, so, it's still indulgent, but not too indulgent. So, we, we did a lot of work on innovation, whether innovation in terms of product or packaging or equipment or just overall assortment to bring back. Those generation and the marketing team did a great job to let people know about it.
1: It's funny. I didn't think of it in that level of detail, but I have a lot of friends who regularly will go to Seven Eleven as their coffee stop. They they don't go to Starbucks. They're not going to Dunkin'. They're going to Seven Eleven. And I, I I went myself uh, a few weeks ago, and I I didn't even think about it. But yeah, the coffee selection is actually quite more advanced than I would have thought ten years ago. So yeah. it made a big difference.
2: Yeah, we just need to uh, have more people know about it. I mean, there's some unfortunately There's no 7-Eleven here in Georgia, but every time I go to Florida, I stop uh, on on the way or on the way back because I know they have great coffee. It's the best kept secret, and it's two bucks regardless of the size. Whatever size, it's more more or less the same. There is no like big price difference, so it beats like all the three big guys. And that's one of the thing people don't know. Also, is like the number four coffee retailer in the U.S. is 7-Eleven, and the wow. three, the top three, are the ones that I just said. So we're still not competitive. We just need to get our group back, and I think the team now is doing a great job to bring consumer back.
1: What advice would you give to people who are rising up in marketing? You've you've obviously had a phenomenal career, and you, and you still do, and you're at a, at a very senior level. When you look at juniors that you're bringing on, what what traits are you looking for?
2: Well, learn about digital as much as you can. I mean, the future is digital. I was in Vegas at CES a couple of weeks ago and all the conversation were about web three, AI, obviously machine learning, the metaverse, blockchain. I mean, those are conversations that no one had three years ago. And I mean, just three years, it's completely transforming the industry, not only marketing, but marketing is, is part of it. That's the advice I will give to anyone that is in college right now or that is taking certifications or probably learning new stuff try to learn new technical skills that other people don't have, because that's going to be a point of differentiation. Companies are looking for those talent. They're looking for digital savvy talent, people that are digital native. It's digital first. Even large organizations right now are moving away from broadcast to digital, whether that's streaming or YouTube or social channel or search for two reasons. One, because everyone in this economic environment is looking at cutting costs and digital is much more efficient than broadcast. And two, because you can track digital, it's difficult to track broadcast immediately. Yes, you'll have like a, result a few weeks or a few months after the campaign, but it's too late. You can't do anything about it. With digital, you can get real time tracking every day and you can pivot if something doesn't work or you can scale up if something works better. So that's my advice. Like Learn a ton about the technicalities of the digital Infrastructure it does not mean you will just be a technical digital marketing guy, but it's gonna set you apart from everyone else.
1: Such, such good advice. I couldn't agree more. Understanding that puts you well above what a lot of people who have been in it for 10, 15 years know, and you know it even better because you're you're much closer to it.
2: Yeah. I know enough not to be in trouble, but I'm not an expert. (laughs) And I'm lucky that I have people that are, that I can rely on and I'm learning from them. And I think that's the beauty of this industry of marketing is that if you are a long life learner, you will enjoy it because it's super dynamic. I've been there, I've been for 25 years. I mean, I've seen, you know, from traditional marketing to a lot of transformation. And if you love to learn, it's great. If you love a comfort zone, it sucks because it changes all the time. So so make sure also that you like to pivot, you like change, you are comfortable in ambiguity because there's a lot of ambiguity. If you don't, then go to accounting, go to finance, do something that's, you know, always going to kind of stick
1: around and be the same. Exactly. Jawad, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to Modern Marketing. This podcast is brought to you by Influicity, empowering marketers to build customer communities that drive revenue. We create massive demand via social, influencer, content, paid media, and of course, podcast. Learn more at influicity.com.